With freight rates twice as high as they were this time last year, our technical analyst, Ed Hutton, has been looking into some interesting spreads and other things he's noticed in the dry freight market. Also, battery metals are the commodity of the future, so we're here to discuss why the 80% drop since 2022 shouldn't deter you. All this and more on Freight Up. Freight Up! Welcome to Freight Up. My name is Fernanda, and I'll be your host as we navigate the seas of freight and commodities. Today's episode is quite an action-packed one. We have Ed Hutton giving us our technical report and a voice you haven't heard before, Davide. Davide is joining me in the studio today. How are you doing, Davide? I'm fine, Fernanda. How are you? Doing really well. Are you having a pretty good year of the dragon? Oh, yes. It's, uh, it's going quite well so far. That's wonderful to hear. And in spite of the huge holiday, we do have quite a bit of macro news for our audience, don't we, Davide? Fernando, speaking of China, the economy is actually experiencing the longest deflationary period since 2008. And of course, the authorities are concerned about the negative effects of the falling prices. The real estate sector seems to be the main culprit of this deflationary period. The PBOC, which is the People Banks of China, has reduced its benchmark five-year loan prime rate by 25 basis points, and it's trying to provide a little bit of support to a sector which is absolutely paramount to the country's economy. The consumer confidence in China is actually quite low. The last reading is actually standing at 86.7.60 points in December, which is far from the all-time high of 127 points, which was recorded in February 2021. And in terms of China, one of the big commodities that always comes up in the conversation is iron ore. So how's that looking, Davide? Well, actually, iron ore has hit the three months low after the holiday and uh, for the year of the dragon. Of course, like lots of people were on holidays. The experts are actually expressing concerns regarding the level of demand that China could have in the foreseeable future. Obviously, China, you know, is consuming something around like 90% of the uh, world iron ore supply. So the health of the Chinese economy will have a major impact on the future prices. That and specifically the housing market is something that plays a huge role in that. But mining, on the other hand, is also something that we need to keep track of. So do you have any developments there? Yeah, so recently Rio Tinto profits have dropped 12% on the back of the weaker commodity prices overall. But the company has also unveiled a 20 billion US dollar investment project for iron ore mining in the Simendu Mountains in southeastern Guinea. And in a rarer occurrence on this podcast, Davide, we're going to be talking about uranium. Yeah, that's true. So after the lows, we have the highs. So the uranium has recently hit the 16 years high and has been backed by the investment banking heavyweights Goldman Sachs and Macquarie. As you know, as countries are increasingly looking at the nuclear energy as a source that should help them in reducing the carbon emission, we will see if the price will continue to rise or not. And as always, you have Freight Up to keep you up to date on these and all macro movements. So on the theme of macro, Davide, what have the general market movements looked like this week? 
we're looking at the main indexes here and of course like the data are Tuesday to Tuesday so starting on Tuesday the 13th and then uh, uh, compared to Tuesday the 20th so on the cap size 5TC we have $855 gain which is equal to 4.3% on the Panamax 5TC we have interesting increase which was from $13,950 a day to 15,352 a day, which is equal to a 21.1% increase. On the Supermax 10 TC, we got from $11,515 a day to $12,416 a day, 0.6%. On the handy size, we have a decrease of 1.72%, equal to $179. And then we spoke about iron ore. So the decrease we've seen has been of $725, uh, which is equal to 2.9%. It went down from $129 to $121.95. On the SYNC 380, we went from $434.23 to $428.70, which is a decrease of 5.6%. SYNC 0.5 from $614.18 to $614.65, which is a very, very small increase of 0.07%. And on the US HRC, we have gone from $933 on the 13th of February to the $925 on the 20th of February, which is a decrease of $8. So Davide, let's next take a look at a key future commodity market, that being battery metals. We've recently published a short article on this market and recent price movements and prospects for the future. If you'd like to view that article, you can do so on FIS Live. Now, picking up on some of the key points from that article, what have been the main drivers behind this move and what do we expect for the near future? Uh, Fernanda, you've mentioned that there's been a drop in prices. So, yes, we had lithium prices that have dropped over 80% and on the other side, nickel and cobalt have gone down also like by 40%. So we have seen a general, uh, an overall dip in the market. That's the first one. Also, the big policy announcements, all the, the big drivers that in the world, they had the time to filter through the economy and through the markets now. So in the US, we had the American Inflation Reduction Act. And also in China, we had a lot of steady investments in the raw material processing capacity for battery metals. Speaking also like of policy actions, governments have in general softened their approach on the environmental policy as a whole. And they've created a sort of like lackluster environment of incentives for consumers if they want to purchase electric vehicles. There's also been like a watering down of the previously strong actions on the environment. If I can make one example, there's the renewed interest in nuclear energy, hence the mention to uranium, which instead of rather than pushing like relentlessly on renewables we're finding like this element here and also like on instead of like pushing also on the, on the grid level battery storage in the physical market we've also seen an oversupply that is co in comparison to the current demand all of these issues bundled together i would say they're like they've contributed to depress the prices if i may my my opinion it will be to just like look at that of more than a lull rather than the end point for the battery metals market I'd say it's definitely a compelling case to do so, Davide. Also, looking at volume growth in the derivative market, it's been impressive since various battery metal contracts have been launched. 
How have these volumes performed so far this year? What do we expect going forward as well? I think that impressive is the right word for volume. Just to mention a few key figures, on the CME Cobalt, the 2022 market volume was 15,966, and the market volume for this year is equal to 25,426, which is an increase of like 59%. But I would say like this is a drop in the ocean in comparison to what we're seeing in the lithium market. Uh, we're going from 426 to 17,000. 355. So we're talking about a percentage increase of 3,974%, which is something that you don't really see every day. So there is the growing importance of the physical markets that has also enabled the launch of like the derivatives on them. So we have like now contracts that are being offered on the CME, on the SGX and the LME exchanges. And also like there's contracts for, uh, and now apologize if I'm mispronouncing them, cobalt hydroxide, lithium hydroxide, lithium carbonate, and molybdenum oxide. So on the derivative battery volumes, they have, I would say, like a pretty healthy volume increase since their respective launches. FIS as a company has been like one of the key driver in the launch of these contracts and uh, is now commanding a very strong market share. So as you can see from the volume that like we have seen in the market of the last two years, we have seen like almost like a 4,000% increase in the volumes for the CME lithium contracts alone. So it's, it's actually quite promising. And uh, I, uh, we will think that like the future will go, it will be better and better. It will go strength to strength. So it looks like there's a really exciting future growth prospect for the physical demand of battery metals some 3 million tons for lithium carbonate equivalent by 2040. That must make you excited about the future. Yeah, and I think that the prospects are really exciting. So just to give you some estimates, these are coming from the European Commission. Their forecast has said that like, the demand for the rare earth metals should increase sixfold by 2030, sevenfold 2050. This is just like for the, for the rare earth metals, but like for uh, lithium is supposed to increase its 12-fold by 2030 and 21-fold by 2050. So like, it's, a very, it's a very big rise. Two of the top energy transition investors have also recently unveiled in Davos in Switzerland 500 million euro fund, which will be focusing just on battery metals, uh, which will include, of course, like lithium, nickel, cobalt. It should also reduce Europe's reliance on supply that is coming from abroad. Speaking of Europe also, we have several countries who have already announced or already opened new gigafactories. We have Germany, which is the first one. It's the country which has the lion's share, but the overall number of factories should increase drastically by 2050. In the US, instead, the Inflation Reduction Act, together with other incentives, is also like contributing, and this should end up like bringing $135 billion in investments in the American electric vehicle and for the overall critical mineral sourcing and processing. For zero emission vehicle mandates, we have been seeing like the UK that is going to ban the sale of new combustion engine by 2030. And in 2035, this will also happen in Canada and the EU. This will, of course, like contribute to drive up like the demand for these key materials. Just to give you the last estimate again, like also coming from the EU, 
they're predicting a global demand increase for batteries of like 14 times by 2030 if we compare it to levels of 2019. So lithium alone is predicted to increase like by a good solid 30% year on year. So there's clearly a lot of ambitions across the pond, both in Europe and the Americas, and then they should lead to an increase in the production of batteries, as well as the demand for the finished products in batteries and the electrical vehicles. It's a really exciting market. We are really looking forward and we're really hoping that this will also like contribute to a cleaner environment. Phenomenal. And as always, if you have any questions on this article or anything in the battery metals world, Anna Chadwick and Luke Vind at FIS are always there to answer your questions. Davide, thank you so much for joining us. Same time next week? Uh, Yeah, why not? It's been a lot of of fun. (laughs) And next to our podcast, we have Ed Hutton, who's our senior technical analyst, and he's going to talk about our latest analysis, which, if you're interested and if you want to read it, is available on the FIS Live app. Ed, thank you very much for uh, joining uh, this week. So let's, let's have first a look at our dry freight market. So what we have seen is that the market has been like less volatile this week. Across the board, we've seen that it's actually been like quite flat in comparison to the recent months. In terms of indexes, just to give you a little bit of like context and some key figures, we have seen that like the Cape size 5TC has gone down 2.7% in comparison to last week and week. The Panamax 5TC has gone up like 10%, $1,000 for 102. The Supermax 10TC is going up 7.8% and the handy size is going up 5.2%. Now that we our indexes out of the way, Ed, uh, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about the article. You've mentioned that there's been a contrast between, on one end, a bullish seasonality, while the Panamax index versus the rolling front month ratio is entered instead like a support area. So... Can you tell us what happened last time that we saw a similar situation? It's just an observation that uh, we made when looking at the historical spread, uh, or should we say the ratio. We're entering a period in the Panamax and the uh, Supermax where the seasonality generally starts turning bullish at this time of year based on three-year averages, three-year highs and three-year lows. What I was observing was the fact that the ratio at the time of the article was getting very close to going uh, sub 0.7%. What makes this interesting is because when we were looking at the carry uh, of the futures on the rolling front month over the indexes, it's like three, $4,000, which would suggest that the futures look a little bit overexposed, which from a technical p- uh, perspective, although may be a case, what the ratio has actually um, done on previous occasions that we've been got close to this um, sub-70 level or sub-70 is we've actually seen it's the index that has been the mover rather than the futures correcting. So it actually can be um, a bullish signal for the physical. So we just wanted to highlight the fact that although when we looked at the future, we're like, okay, they look really overexposed and they are due of this pullback, be a little bit cautious because we're not necessarily looking at a pullback that will be three to $4,000 because we had an expectancy that the index would start moving. And to be fair, since we've actually sent those reports out, as, as you can see, you know, we have seen these 7, 8, 10% moves in the indexes already. So they are already starting to shift to the upside 
where the futures have started to consolidate, maybe correct a tiny bit this morning, but they've been fairly stable for the last 10 days, partly because of the uh, Chinese New Year, but I suspect partly because you can't buy the futures because the carry is too big, but the sentiment is bullish enough, the seasonality is bullish enough that it's the index and the physical that's starting to shift. I see. So basically, you're telling that the dragon is still casting its shadow on the markets as well. And also, I, I like to follow up with another question that I had, like by reading your article. I mean, we have said that, like, on you have said that on average, like, capes tend to move faster than Panamaxes, and also like tend to correct faster. So, in these regards, what can we expect going forward? Ed? I mean, the capes is a very interesting sector at the moment because if you look at the indexes, the valuation at the moment is like twenty thousand, just under. The three-year average values for this time of year are 10,000. We're double the price that we normally are. And this is throwing a little few things out of line because there's obviously a very bullish sentiment across the market. Because as a general rule, that we, we would look, the markets are all fairly well supported. The indexes are now starting to shift with the futures, but it's the, sh- the futures are holding in these patterns that suggest that there's a, an overall bullish sentiment across the market, which makes sense, obviously. I mean, I know I'm a technical analyst, analysis, but if you look at what's going on in the Red Sea, the Panama Canal, then obviously some miles is a big factor here. So there's an expectancy of longer term the market is going to push up this year. But this has blown out a lot of the spreads on the front. So where we would look normally look at the Q2, Q3 free spread, it's trading uh, in the case, it's trading near flat. This spread is, is now four or $5,000 above um, average values, whilst at the same time, you've got the same pattern with the Q2 versus 3, 4 spread. Now, if this market does enter a corrective phase, so even if the longer-term trend is bullish and we enter a corrective phase, they can be quite aggressive, the moves in, in case. It's the most volatile of the sectors. The first thing that's going to come under pressure, in my opinion, will be these spreads because of their overexposure. They're above three-year average values, three-year average highs. To be honest with you, they're above five-year, seven-year. So the spreads are looking overexposed when that involves the Q2. But there's a bit of an elephant in the room in the case because if you look at the Q3 versus the Q4 spread, that's actually due to term bullish and is below seasonality values. Although everything is up and above values, it looks like it's the Q2 and the Q4 that have made this more general shift higher or more aggressive shift higher than the Q3, which, as anyone that works in shipping will know, Q3 is generally the most bullish quarter of the year. So there's a bit of an anomaly in the market. and. I look at this and just think, okay, if there is a correction in the market, the Q2 and to be fair, the Q4 probably look a little bit overexposed. And it does make me wonder if people should maybe be selling the wings there and buying the Q3 and selling the Q2 and the Q4 against it. And just looking for, as a short-term play, maybe looking for the markets to rebalance and recorrect and just do these spreads kind of narrow in the Q2 versus Q3 and possibly we'll see the Q3, Q4 spread going bid. So you'll get the double um, advantage. If you traded the butterfly there, you'd be basically buying, selling Q2, buying twice the Q3 and selling the uh, Q4. I just think that's an interesting factor to see in the market. We've seen in the Panamax Supermax spreads, we've seen them blow out a little bit. They've kind of rebalanced more. The Capes haven't so much. So I just think that there's some interesting stuff to watch in that space because the Q3 on its own is suggesting and I look at the Q3 rather than the Q2 right now because the Q2 rolls in a few weeks. If you look at the Q3 spread, just purely on the psychological wave analysis that we use called the Elliott wave, I think there is a larger ball cycle still in play. So I don't necessarily think that downside moves are going to 
signal the end of this bull run that we've been seeing or this bull holding pattern we've been seeing. I just feel that there needs to be a rebalance in the market. And I think these spreads are where the market looks more overexposed and probably a safer place to be in because obviously if you don't get any kind of uh, mean reversion that we perhaps need, you could be a little bit overexposed by being Hmm. vanilla short rather than having the spread on. To ask you like the final question in conclusion, is there something that like our listeners should look at? I don't know, like for instance, like the spreads, what do you think on that? Just give us one, your view, one sentence. Well, one sentence. I mean, I just think you need to be looking at anything that involves either selling the Q2 or buying the Q3 right now within the spread. I do think they all need to correct a little bit. But if you're going to be long a spread, then I'd be long Q3, Q4. If I was short, I'd be short Q2, Q3. Well, Ed, that's been uh, slightly more than one sentence, but I think that it's good enough. Uh, Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. This was Ed Hutton, our senior technical analyst. Thank you very much, Tavra. Well, that's it for this time. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time. Freedom!